Welcome to Momentum, encouraging women who follow Jesus because your leadership and influence matter. This is Lauren Carreras. I am in Ventura, California right now. It is freaking beautiful. And we're here today with Denise Harlow, who has escaped the frozen wasteland of Chicago, is podcasting with us from Cal- or Florida, wherever in the world she is right now, Florida, with a, uh, with a good friend of ours, Lisa Jernigan, who we get to talk to today. So Lisa is uh, from Central Christian, Arizona, where uh, her husband is the lead pastor, and she is an advocate for global engagement. It's as impressive as it sounds. <laughs> <Yep>. um, so <laughs> Lisa, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry, your ministry story, how you are here, where you are, what are you doing right now? All that good okay, stuff. Okay. So do I start this like once upon a time? Is that how you start your ministry story? Once upon a time. <laughs> I'm not sure how it one begins, good. but I, um, I'm excited to, to hang with you guys today and do this. Um, so my ministry story, that is, that's an interesting thing. You know, it's really hard to tell your own story. Um, it's mm-hmm. so much easier asking somebody else to tell their story. And um, right, that's what we're yeah, doing. I know. Here so today. you guys, well, this is really hard. The mic's been turned on me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. ministry story. I would say we've been at um, our church, Central Christian Arizona, for the past thirty years. And we first went there. Um, though it was like that's about our third church we've been at. And our ministry story started there with youth ministry. And so Cal went as the youth pastor. So my first really deep engagement in ministry with youth ministry. And I know, Denise, I think you started that way too. And many of us do uh, in that way. And it's a crazy life and it's a crazy ministry. So we raised our kids in the early years through the lens of youth ministry, you know, where you're always having kids at your house and, um, you know, schedule doesn't really exist too much. And um, when we left that, I realized how demanding it is. But what an amazing ride that was. And we brought sound effects mm-hmm. for you. That was youth ministry in the background. That was that was Olivia, my granddaughter. She's joining us today for sound effects. So, And it works for me. It works for me. This is the generational approach to ministry, right? It is, absolutely. It is. So in the background, you'll hear my one-year-old enjoying her raisins. Um, yeah, so so essentially you started ministry with a lot of grilled cheese and popcorn, hosting a lot of teenagers at your house. And brownies and Taco Bell, um, yes. And brownies and Taco Bell. That's great. Um, where did you guys go next well we stayed there actually we were doing youth ministry and we're really enjoying it thought we'd be doing that for a while and then our senior pastor um, decided he was going to retire and so they asked Cal to think about or consider or asked him to be the the next senior pastor and so we mm-hmm. transitioned took about three years to transition into that role and now he's been the senior pastor for I don't know 17 years or so yeah, and your kids were okay. born when during the youth ministry years. Youth ministry the, years, yeah. um, one in California and one in Yuma, Arizona. So they came with us when we moved to to uh, Central in Arizona when um, our youngest one was like nine months old. Oh, so they definitely were raised, and you were raising kids throughout this ministry as well. Yep. Okay, so you transitioned from a part of the youth ministry. Did you stay involved there when Cal became senior okay, pastor? Okay, so when he became senior pastor, figure I did not. I had to grow up. Yeah, I had to oh, go. I had to no, start going to big church. It. <laughs> <laughs> we called it. And, and that's when I realized, you know, I think through the transitions of ministry, we always are finding, especially as women, we find ourselves going, okay, who am I now? 
who am I now in this season and kind of redefining yourself. And I found myself in that place of, okay, I'm not in youth ministry anymore. I have to go to big church and my husband's going to be the senior pastor. And I just remember one of the first Sundays sitting in big church and in a full auditorium and feeling very alone going, I don't really know people in big church. And if Mm. I am sitting here feeling alone and my husband's going to be the senior pastor, how do other women feel that come without their husband or how do people come the first time? And so that was a good place for me to be, Mm -hmm. to be empathetic to what other people feel like when they come and they're sitting alone, especially women, which a lot of women do come to church alone. Yeah, you're right. They do. Um, And you you can see them sitting all by themselves, all over your congregations. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, okay, we got to do something about this. How do we really help women feel like they have a place, they have a purpose, that they belong? And so um, at the time, God collided my life with another friend, and we just kind of started doing a ministry called Girlfriends. And we decided, how do we make youth ministry a place where we would want to go? Because I realized now I had to start maybe going to women's you know, conferences and retreats and I had to be a big yeah. girl now. <laughs> I had to be a woman. And um, so I just thought, okay, we need to make these like fun and engaging and relational. So we kind of created a ministry package and a framework that was based on relationships and experiences and kind of introducing them to Jesus and kind of taking them, growing them um, through the process, not expecting them to take a leap from not knowing to like, okay, now you're in in in-depth Bible studies, but how do we bridge that where we create a place for friendships and belonging and then kind of the believing, you know, those kind of the B words that we used to use a a lot of times. So, and this ministry really, uh, just grew and grew and other churches started adopting it. And, and before you knew it, you were being offered Uh, somebody to buy it out basically Mm -hmm. and publish it yeah we eventually sold it to a publishing company because it was a framework just for churches and even like um other parachurch organizations were using as a framework for just reaching women Mm -hmm. so it's it's a great program i remember hearing about it every year about the things they had done and and i was just thinking oh i my neighbors would love to come mm-hmm. to something like mm-hmm. that or friends from school or whatever. So, Well, don't you think, don't you That's, guys think, though, when you guys are looking, because you both are in ministries, that you kind of, the, a great place to start is what would I want to go to or abs- what do I like? Yes. I know, like, Denise, you did worship. Like, what do I enjoy? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we made church basically uh, for big teenagers, mm-hmm. um, adult-sized teenagers, because we wanted to (laughs) (laughs) that sounds funny I guess Uh, we're all adults (laughs) no you're right you did you you made it you made it engaging for people who who wouldn't put up with the boring stuff (laughs) which is great yeah I guess yeah that's kind of the gist of it but I love this because um you then passed on that ministry basically Mm -hmm. but what I love about Lisa is she's innovative and creative and other opportunities started opening up in your life and she started pursuing another totally different ministry um why don't you tell us about that situation i think sometimes ministries find you when you're least expected and i was least expecting it i went was invited to go to the national prayer breakfast in washington dc like seven years ago and i say there it was there that i discovered my global soul because I never was really into the missions per se, I believed in it, but I never was engaged. And 
I started meeting people, especially from the Middle East, and hearing stories and hearing them talk about Jesus, and it mm. really wrecked my world. It kind of disrupted my soul. And it took me on a journey going, I want to learn more, I want to find out more, and I want to talk to people. And so that kind of started my journey with, with kind of global, starting to see um, the world through a lens of nations, not just our nation. And so it was very intriguing. That's great. I love that. I love that just a little thread of your story is being open, being open to either what God has next for you or what what God's doing in your heart, even just you being kind of discontent and maybe feeling a little isolated as a woman, turning that into what can I do about this mm-hmm. to um, accepting an invitation and turning that into what can I do about this is um, how, how do you think or who in your life uh, helped empower you along the way as you decided to make that step towards what can I do about this? That's a great question. Um, I don't know that there was one person. I just think um, I just started, first of all, reading. I think books are great mentors when you don't always have people. Mm-hmm. And so I just, from different authors. And then mm-hmm. I just started asking people, um, who should I talk to? Who is doing this? And from there, I just I just started connecting with people and, and going to like conferences that were about this so I could meet people and just kind of going with the posture of learning and listening with that. So that reading and attending those conferences what steps did that lead you to next in your life then? Well, for me, because I am involved on, on a global and with the Middle East, I started taking trips over and, and going over and just meeting with people, listening, trying to understand and learn. Um, a lot of it was with, in regards to Israel-Palestine, with the Middle East, different ones, refugees, so a lot of that. And wow. That yeah, was great. Was it a little scary? You know what? I, I got to tell you one thing. I went to um, Iraq. I don't know if I told you this, but I went to Iraq a year and a half ago. And for the first time in my travels, I had to take out a war risk insurance policy oh, because oh, it wow. was the second most dangerous place for Americans to go. And it was the policy oh, wow. was in case of kidnapping and death. That was a little intimidating. I must oh tell you, my but at the same time, it's like, you know, when you feel that you're called to do something and God is calling you there, um, you, you know, sometimes you just have to lean into it and step into it and go, I'm not going to let the fear control me. I'm going to step through it. And I never was afraid. I mean, it was amazing experience. So tell, tell us more about what took place on these trips. So, and what you were yeah. hoping to accomplish there. Um, you know, different things. Some of the trips are in different ways. Like Iraq was to really understand kind of what's going on. I went with a group called Preemptive Love Coalition, and we went around to just kind of see what was going on there in the country with refugees, with the effects of ISIS. Actually, got to meet a woman, sat across a table from her. There were just a few of us, and she told us her story. Of she had just been back into that city after being held captive for over a year as a wife of an ISIS soldier. And I say wife, not as a wife. Um, And just the horrors that she told of the day when ISIS came into her village and they Mm. separated the men and the women. They took all the men and the young boys out and executed them. And all the older women have never been seen since. And then the young women and young girls were taken as as slaves and wives. Mm -hmm. And so she sat there very stoically telling us her story. And it's one of those times where you go, I have no box for this. I don't know what to do with this. Mm -hmm. And so we just listened Mm -hmm. to her and at the end, you know, what do you have? What can you do? And so we just said, can we hug you? And 
not knowing if she how she was feeling about you know the personal space and touch and she just hugged there was like four of us women and kept kissing us on the cheek which was a very endearing in that culture and mm. and um mm. and and uh she just turned to us before she left the room and said please free the others please don't forget them and those were haunting wow. words oh, and so i, I think i you know in my mind it's like you know this whole thing when you see something you carry a new responsibility and you can't unsee what you've seen. Yes. And so I just, it's compelled, like inside of me, it's like, I've got to do what I can to just help women. And even if it's coming back and being a courageous storyteller, tell their stories of mm. women globally, because we all belong to each other. And it could be me that's living over there instead of living here. And I would want to know that somebody is fighting for me that has my voice when I had, I don't have one. So that's compelling to me. Yes, that really is. So you have shared with me in the past um, about some of these organized trips, uh, various women going and meeting with women mm -hmm. from other countries and how you're tr striving to have a bond. Tell, tell a little bit about yeah. some of those activities. Okay. I took a group, uh, a few women last last month um, over to the couple countries in the Middle East, and I'm getting ready to take another trip. But I really believe these experiential trips where you're, you're kind of seeing um, the country, but you're also spending time with the people. And people that are, we kind of frame it as as, a, as trips for peacemaking. Like, what does it look like to live as an everyday peacemaker? Understanding conflict, and there's so much conflict right now in our world. Yes. And people are, they're really kind of going kind of crazy a little bit with it. And it's like, how do we, how do we start looking at conflicts and possibilities, not as who's right and who's wrong, but how can we hold both and go, both have some right and both have some wrong. Where do we find the common? You know, how do we connect mm -hmm. in the common places? And from that point, um, how do we how do we step into transformation in a peaceful, respectful, honoring way? And if we can just do that even in our homes and our communities, um, I think that will just, you know, that will, that will multiply the effects. And so I believe that taking women on trips, taking us out of our comfort zones and into some of these um, different cultures are catalysts for, um, catalytic for transformation. And mm -hmm. so um, mm -hmm. I, I'm organizing trips now, taking women on these trips um, to really mm -hmm. meet with people over there and, and say, tell us your story. Tell us what it's like. Tell us what you want us to tell other people. And, and then what are we each learning about? Peace starts with me. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I need to That's be good. at peace with myself. Um, and then mm -hmm. I need to be at peace with God. You know, do I really believe God is who he says? Do I believe he's a good, loving God? So I need to be at peace with God, and then I can be at peace with others. So kind of taking them on a, on a journey of transformation through the lens of peacemaking. I know that was a lot, I just oh, said. But, but, but that's that's it where I good. believe God is calling me after these past few years of just learning and, and trying to really engage and dive in. And it's like, okay, what does that look like? And so it, it's sometimes it's a slow process. We want quick fixes. We want we like we want to yes. have our hearts wrecked, and then we want like the next day to do something. And sometimes God takes us on our own personal journey to grow us, to to show us That's things true. before we're ready to really you know engage. Yes, that's, and that's good. isn't it true that that God so often does that through just the stories of each other? Mm -hmm. I love that you all have been courageous storytellers of of women all over the world. Where, if you could take Denise and I somewhere right now to understand uh, someone, so some culture that's on your heart, where where would we go? 
My heart is in the Middle East, and there's so many places, but right now, I think, and this mm. is a very touchy subject, but I mm-hmm. I believe if we go into the to Israel-Palestine, not to yes. engage in the conflict, but what do we learn from it? And where mm. we go in with the attitude, I'm pro-people, I'm pro-peace, and I'm pro-Jesus. Mm. And so you mm. listen to both sides, and you don't take sides. You know, we're so yes. quick to take sides. And when we do, one is always right and one is always wrong. And nobody wants to be wrong. So if we go and we hold each story and we we listen longer than is comfortable, we choose to see Mm. the invisible and we just look at it and go, okay, I understand why they do this now because it goes back to this. And that's why they do it. And then you talk to the other side and you go, I understand why they respond that way because of their history. And so you start Mm. holding both narratives and you don't take sides. Mm. Yeah, and so if we good. started doing that and just like, oh, how to, again, how do we connect in the common? How do we start having conversations that are different? And so I think mm-hmm. that's what I would do. I think you guys, I, I'm seeing like women literally come back with life change because it's not about the conflict, but what do we learn about the conflict to bring back to our own homes and our churches and our mm-hmm. communities um, to start the, the transformation? Well, and what these women in other countries, seeing you at least make the effort to come and listen to them, you know, has, in the name of Jesus, really, it has to just make them so curious um, about him and why in the world mm-hmm. you would possibly want to come and, mm-hmm. and, and care about them. You know, it really is about honoring each other. I mean, even mm-hmm. as friends in our own, in our family members, how do we honor each other? And especially in the Middle East, honoring them is sitting in their home, sitting with them and having a cup of tea. It's that simple. You know, just sit with me, listen, and, and, and dine with me. And that's honoring them. But we don't take the time because we're so busy and we rush from place to place that we don't just sit with people and say, let's just have a conversation. Let's just be without mm-hmm. having an agenda. And we're so quick to make a business deal, to do it. To, we have an agenda coming into a relationship. And instead of just coming and going, I just want to hear from you. I just want to learn. I just want to know what matters to you. And if we started really honoring each other here and there, I really do, we can, I do really believe that we can change, we can change the culture hmm. and nations. Yeah, that's fantastic. So how would women get a hold of you if they just felt like this was an area they were interested in pursuing or learning more about um, how could they get a hold of you I will actually give them my email because um, we're working on a website right now amplify peacemaking um, where we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna even do trips in the United States um, for experiences and what can we learn from different things because um, mm. I, I I believe you know even for three-day trips you know like here's we're gonna take you away custom create them with groups because we learn best in community um, and yes. so and then so it's like some pre-trip preparing and then you have the trip and then like afterwards now what do I do with this because mm-hmm. that you come back like even the first time I know Denise our my very first experience with Israel was with you and Tim and you come back and you go, what do I do with this now? Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do we provide that community where it's like, let's keep the dialogue going and the process, you know, going and do it with each other. Because I I love mm-hmm. to hear what other people learn from something. Because then I'm like, okay, I missed that. That is really good stuff. So how do we keep the conversation going in in context of community? So my, my email is lisajernigan1 at gmail.com. And that's L-I-S-A-J-E-R-N-I-G-A-N-1. 
number one at gmail.com. Great. That sounds That's great. awesome. Lisa, uh, so you've become, you've become a bold, uh, bold in asking questions and getting the conversation started. How would you encourage, um, our listeners and, and myself to start these conversations, uh, now here in our communities, um, how, what questions do you, do you like to ask? Um, how, how do you really, li- how do you really take the time to listen? You know, I think what, especially right now, what's a good question is how are you feeling with what's going on? Because a lot of people have so many emotions. We have opinions, mm-hmm. but a lot of times when we express our opinions, they can become divisive and mm-hmm. debatable. Yeah. But if I say, how are you feeling right now with what's going on? You might say, I'm feeling very fearful or I'm feeling bitterness, or I'm feeling apprehension. And I think if we just start even communicating our emotions and talking about that, and then like, well, where do you think that's coming from? Oh, that's good. And so I think even just starting there, how are you feeling right now about about your life or about life or about what's going on? All right. And, and I think the thing is like, how do we start changing the conversations of fear to conversations of hope? And what can we do about this leaning into it? That's great. great. Well, okay, so Lisa, before we wrap up, um, I want to put you on the spot. It's uh-oh. Can you, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, but I'm going to let you tell someone else's story. Can you can you share with us another story of uh, a woman who you've encountered globally recently um, just to uh, help us gain some more perspective today? Um, okay, I'll tell you a story. I just um, like 3 weeks ago, I sat in the home of a woman, a, a refugee family from Syria. They were um, in um, Jordan, and we went with an organization called World, World Relief, and we were sitting in their home, and this woman was telling the story of how they um, traveled, um, how they escaped Syria and came over, and they, um, she just was telling us her journey. They have three kids, they have some medical, pro- her husband got wounded, coming over, got shot in the leg, and, and um, and so she was just kind of telling us her journey and talking about it. And so then I asked her, I said, tell me what your life was like in Syria mm-hmm. and um, your everyday life. And she started to talk. And then all of a sudden she broke down in tears. And mm-hmm. we just kind of mm-hmm. gave her a moment to just sit there. And then she kind of got her composure and she said, life was very happy. We were very happy. Mm-hmm. We had all the modern conveniences. Um, we had cars, we had good jobs, we had nice homes and now just we're like living you, we just do like today. us, just mm-hmm. like us. And I think a lot of times we, our perception of refugees is they were poor and now they're yeah. poor again. And it's like these people had at one home Instead we visited, the, the man made yeah. a half a million dollars wow. a year wow. had many cars and now they're living like this. And, um, and so as she was, um, you know, she just got composure and then I just went to her and hugged her and. We just were kind of talking, and before I left, before we left her, she looked at me and she did the heart sign, you know, you put your hands together, and she said, you have my heart, and my heart is in you. And it was like, you know, we don't speak from two different cultures, different religions, but you know what? As women, Mm. we share the same heartbeat, because Mm. we want what's Mm. best for our children, for our grandchildren, for our families, and we'll fight for that, and so... You know, that just spoke volumes to me, and I will never forget her face, and mm. I will never forget just those few minutes in her home and just being together. So those are the kind of things you come home and you're like, you know what? Every story mm. is sacred mm. and every life. And mm. so 
it compels me even more to like we need to tell these stories um because they can't yes yeah i feel just so compelled um after even hearing your your own story in narrative but hearing some of these narratives of women who you've sat down and taken the time to ask good questions to um that we are called to be good listeners listeners of what god has for us what what he has next um in our lives and listeners to people around us to to honor them and their and our common humanity and uh, the things that we do share no matter what. And there's, there's so much that we have in common, especially in the midst of all of uh, the, the conflict that's happening right now um, to be a listener instead of, you know, the, the first person to speak would really make a big difference and really, really cause people to ask some questions. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a great challenge for all of us. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Um, we're so thankful to have someone to bring some more global voices to us today, um, wherever our listeners are. And um, I pray that we can take the next steps and be the people who are bold enough to make time in their day to ask questions, bold enough to invite people in, but bold enough perhaps to go into their context, others' context, and really listen in a way that honors them. Um, So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you all can enjoy the rest of your uh, short trip to Florida. And um, we are looking forward to talking to you again. If you would like more information and encouragement, check out deniseharlow.com or follow Denise Harlow on Instagram. She will also have information about Lisa's ministry there. Thank Thanks so much, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.